Welcome to Bruh Meets World. When it's Bruh Meets World. Your boy Meets World Fancast. Welcome to episode 38. I'm Siege. And I'm your boy, Tony Curtis. And we have another guest. We got another guest. <laughs> Hi, guys. I'm Miriam. Oh, go in all breathy. <laughs> yeah. Doing a sexy voice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying, guys. This is my first podcast, so. We appreciate it. We appreciate it. We do. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Uh, so. Do you mind telling us your history and how you worked your way over here? Yeah. What do you, what do you know of Boy Meets World? Like, what's your, what's your Boy Meets World? Like, what do you know of it? What, what, how has it impacted your life at all? Yeah, so I mean, I watched the entire series probably a couple times when I was growing up. I was a kid, you know, 90s kid. I'm a little bit young. I mean, much younger than TC, but pretty oh, much. Oh, burn. <laughs> Him and I are almost. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I watched it when I was growing up. I haven't gotten into it again as an adult as much, except. I do listen to your guys' podcast sometimes. Oh, Ooh. someone's yeah. trying to flatter us, and I'm here for it. <laughs> it's working. <laughs> uh, how how were who were you in high school? Like, how was your high school experience? Oh, this is funny because I was just telling T. I was like, you don't even know who I was. In high <laughs> no, school. I know, I know. I'm very curious to find out. Well, first of all, I I didn't do my entire high school in this country. I did one year in Jordan, and then. Um, so, I know you know this, but CJ, I don't know if you know this. I actually used to wear hijab in high school. Okay. So, I was like, you know, like, conservative Muslim girl in high school, but I was not conservative. Like, I was supposed to be, but I was actually really outgoing. I wanted to, like, be friends with everyone. I had a secret boyfriend. I was, like, definitely living, like, a double life. Well, uh, I know so that you were a your... teenager. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I know that based on your approach with pepperoni. Like, they're very fast and loose with these rules. So, do you mind for our listeners to explain uh, how you and T know each other? Because there's clearly a familiarity there. And, yeah. All right. Well, Miriam is my girlfriend. We've been dating for a few months now. Um, however, she lives in California near you. <laughs> and I live in Florida. So, Which is a terrible um, decision. I just want to put that out there. A terrible decision, but explains <laughs> really? all of my frequent trips to California. Um, yeah, you guys, he that, wasn't just coming to see me, even though he made it seem that way. He was I, really I try to see as many people as I can when I'm in Cali, but hopefully I'll be there on a more permanent basis, so I won't have to squeeze uh-huh. as much in. But uh, uh, there we go. <laughs> but yeah, we met via Instagram, actually. Yep. She slid in my dms ah dm slider 100% true though (laughs) she's she's a dm slider and it just (laughs) happened to work out so here we are that's great i think that that is making it's you okay you know (laughs) well this is a perfect combination for this particular episode because the episode has a lot going on i feel and it also it explores what being in a relationship getting in a relationship even relationships ending like it does that whole arc in a 
succinct amount of time, but also it says very different things. And it comes at it from different angles, and I just want to get into that. I can't wait to discuss this Wendy character because mm-hmm. there are so many times where I'm like, are we rooting for her? Is she crazy? Yes. Is she supposed to be like the sweet girl? Because at times I'm like, I love her. And other times I'm like, chick crazy. So <laughs> I, I just, I have so much confusion around her. And I just, it seems to me throughout the episode, the thing that was missing and the thing that's missing for most failed relationships is communication. Correct. And that's kind of what I picked up from this thing that, oh, this relationship seems like it could have worked if only Corey had actually communicated his issues. Correct. Miriam? I, I don't know. I actually came at it from, like, a totally different angle. I can see that. Like, obviously, they were portraying her as, like, this crazy girl who's, like, trying to, like, lock this guy down for life. But I think it actually had more to do with, like, society's expectations of women and her just being, like, a really hyperbolic example of somebody, like, going for it. Like, the value, the worth of a woman, at least, and especially in, like, my dad's culture, is based on, like, building a family, building a home, you know, raising kids and being, like, the selfless person who, like, takes care of a man. And it's like she, like, you know, found Corey and decided to just, like, put all that energy into it, even though she's only, like, 13. Yeah, something like that. So, yeah, it's, I really, yeah, I want to get into this. Um, So let's get into the episode. I'll do the tell me about it. Tell me about it. There we go. This is season two, episode 15. Breaking up is hard to do. Corey begins a relationship with classmate Wendy so he can attend a couple's party. Little does he know, Wendy sees the relationship as more than just an evening out. She is committed. At first, Corey finds her attention enduring, but soon believes she is obsessive and wants out. Eventually, he gives in to the relationship, only to have Wendy dumped him for beginning their relationship on a lie. In a B story, Eric has trouble in school and finds a creative way a creative solution to dating, and in a C story, Feeney and Turner play racquetball. Creative is <laughs> a great way to describe. <laughs> I did. I had. I was like, uh, how do we say this? But yeah, right off the bat. So let's go with first impressions. Uh, Miriam, what did you say your first impressions were? Of just the whole episode in general. Yes. I might have like given away too much too soon, but um, yeah. I mean, I just I thought it was a really interesting you know, way to, again, like, portray, like, what, what is valued of a woman in society. I think that that, I mean, obviously, the episode was really funny. Yeah. Like, we laughed a lot during it, and the little skit while, when they were, um, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. old men, like, it was hilarious. I mean, the the episode was really well made, but, um, yeah, I think I had a lot to say about Yeah, no, I actually think, like, so this particular episode, things are starting to come together. We're starting to use characters properly. We're starting to really see what the writers are trying to do, and everything's starting to come together. But I'm also confused by what their intentions are. You know, it's just like, it's it's still very much, are you trying to tell a story? Are you trying to teach a lesson? And I think... Boy Meets World does this thing where they try to teach a lesson through story half-heartedly. I don't know. (laughs) Well, I'll I'll tell you this. To your point, we see pretty much – we see a lot of characters in this episode. Like Jason pops up in this episode. There's multiple female characters in here. Um, We're seeing a lot of – you know, uh, Turner and and Feeney all have moments – Morgan pops up. Like everyone is used in this episode. Everyone Um, but Topanga. (laughs) But Topanga. 
And again, that problem, I've stated multiple times, where Topanga can be the only woman who was without flaw on the show. Yep, um, I thought about that. And it's really funny because ever since you mentioned it, when they introduce a new female character, it is interesting of like wh- how this person differs from Topanga. And, you know, is this a fully formed girl? Most likely not. <laughs> you know, is it, does she have... Well, it's, it's just interesting because to uh, Miriam's point... I do think that it's highlighting the expectations that are different between men and women when it comes to approaching love. Correct. And for this girl, love is like, oh, you want to you wanna go out with me? I can tell my friends, like, this is legit. Sure, whatever. I don't care. Listen, Stephanie and Todd are having this party, and I was wondering if you'd like to go with me. Well, Corey, this invitation says couples only. Oh, that. Well, if we went to the party together, then we'd be a couple. I think you're just looking for a date. No, I'd really like to go with you. So you want to be a couple with me? Sure. You do? Yeah, I do. I do too. This is wonderful, Corey. Is it okay if I go tell my friends? Like, to to him, he just wants to say he has a girlfriend. But to her, it's, oh, okay, I found someone who I can go on this uh, journey that I was taught love is. Yeah, and. I- and that's and that's what I think is kind of the the main point that they're trying to draw the parallels between what a man thinks love is versus what oh well I should say what a boy thinks love is versus what a girl thinks love is. Yeah, what's also really interesting with that is you get this moment of Corey being happy in the relationship with Wendy yeah. and Sean being like, "Oh, you loser. You don't understand how yeah. this works. And that's kind of what bugged me about the episode too is because they really had an opportunity to make Wendy like a decent character and like how much more interesting would it have been if like they worked it out and they kind of dated for a few episodes. Like why does it have to be this one and done thing? Although I do need to point out that this is the same Wendy that we saw in what, episode 2 of the season? Yeah. I was going to say Corey asked her out on the date and it, they didn't end up going out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but how the times have changed because before she was really reserved about going on a date. Now she wants to have three kids with him. <laughs> well, no, I think it's interesting because, and I, I want to hear your take on this, Miriam, but to me, I saw it as Wendy grew up in a house where there are generations of relationships and every loves each other there i was like she probably grew up in a good home like a loving caring family and from what we see there are just generations of this and they kind of paint that as a negative thing number one which i have a problem with but on the other hand so she's trying there's this young girl who's trying to replicate what she knows as a healthy marriage or a healthy relationship and of course she's going to jump into it a little wholeheartedly and i feel like if they just even if they removed the scene where amy's like oh she is crazy they would have done a really good job of painting her because i think from what we see in the in the text and in the script wendy's actually she's good she stands up for herself she knows what she wants uh you know she's unapologetic i think that's a great character um, I think that's just a great character. However, the part that's bad is when they make her seem like she has the problem, even like a little bit. Like, oh, maybe she is crazy. And I think, you know, that's where we really come up with this flaw. 
It also just seems to me that she doesn't actually love him. She's just doing what she thinks love is. Because the first time that she realized that he lied to her, like, no discussion, we're, we're, relationship done. Yeah, I was planning my entire life with you. We were going to have kids. We were going to have all this stuff. Oh, you told me one lie before we even had a relationship? This is over. Not saying that's a bad thing because you sh obviously, like, you don't want to be with a liar. But it just showed me that, like, there was so much energy into giving Corey this love. And she was so quick to drop it without having a conversation, without discussing it and working it out. I didn't know that she really loved him. It just seemed I mean, like well, she was mimicking what she saw. Well, go ahead, Miriam. You were going to say something. No, she, I mean, she, she definitely doesn't love him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's 13 and she met him. <laughs> you know, she started going out with him a week ago. But, like, Amy actually said it um, – in the episode, she's like, hey, she's just a little girl trying to play house. And I totally agree with that. Like, that's exactly what she is. She's just, you know, she's a 13-year-old girl who has this opportunity to put herself in the shoes of, like like you said, CJ, these women who she grew up with. Um, having, like, the like the three kids, the husband, the cooking. Actually, this episode, honestly, like, it really made me uncomfortable. It, it really did. Because I was just like, oh, man. Especially in Jordan. So... Like, I'm sure you guys, like, growing up in the South had um, a lot more of that, like, family unit. I don't know, at least from sure, what you yeah, told yeah. me. Yeah. Um, but, like, in Jordan, I mean, I would describe Jordan, by the way, like, let me just put a disclaimer out there. <laughs> Jordan is very modern. <laughs> Everybody is, like, on social media. It's changed a lot since I lived there back in, like, 2003. Um, but when I lived there, it was very much like this. Like, that is exactly how it is. It's like 1950s America. If you guys, like, remember Mona Lisa Smile, yeah. you know how she was, like, super smart, and then she was just expected to, like, get married and, and live that life. Like, that's what it's like in Jordan. You know, my cousins who, you know, like, I'm, I'm basically the oldest girl to not be married at this point, and I'm, like, a kind of, you know, totally the opposite of what I should be and, like, what was expected of me. Um... But, welcome to the club. <laughs> What's that? I said, welcome to the club. I know, right? I know, CJ. I was like, you know what? You could probably relate to this. <laughs> a little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, in Jordan and, you know, in a lot of different cultures, it's really, you know, you have this like path painted out for you as a, as a woman or as a girl that, hey, it actually doesn't matter like how educated you are. It doesn't matter how successful you are in business. It doesn't really matter like how independent you are at the end of the day, your work, you know, what you're supposed to do. And the like mission, your mission as a woman is to get married, have kids and take care of your man. Um, and you know, like I really saw this little girl just saying like basically owning that and really trying hard to be that when like, obviously she's way too young for it. also, she doesn't see like the other path. Yeah. She doesn't see that there's another way. Um, can we get into the roll call real fast? Because I, was I say, want to make sure that we are addressing some of these characters that have popped up. I was gonna say, Eric has so a character. With these with the roll call this week, uh, I definitely I have the collection of characters, but it's a little weird because we get a lot of returning characters. We get a lot of returning characters with Wendy. Uh, Jason makes a return again. You know, and so we we do have um, like people that we're familiar with that we don't actually have as the main cast, but we get some new characters. Uh, and I love that you brought up Dominique because Dominique, I think, is worth talking about. I, I had some real issues. 
things about this. So real fast, just to kind of touch on Eric's story, this is the first time we're seeing Eric get a hard time for doing poorly in school. This is going to be a reoccurring theme that we continue to see. His issues with school are actually going to keep him from graduating eventually. So it's kind of interesting to see the first touches of that now. Exactly. Um, but, we get Eric but, wanting to be a weather guy for the first time. Yes, yes, mentioning that. Um, but just this whole idea of um, this adult woman sexually satisfying the urges of teenage boys in a way that it seems as though she's aware of. I don't know, man. It made me feel real uncomfortable. So here's the thing. I agree with you, and I definitely don't like this. However, when I'm watching this, uh, this series now, I now look at it through the lens of, oh, this is a male gaze version of this situation. So like in my yeah. mind, I'm like, she probably is just like, Eric has really great hair and it's like, you know, he's a great person to work on. And, but in his mind, this is hugely sexualized and she's just, she wants it. She's got to have it. And that's how I look at this situation. Like, I'm like, all right, looking at this through this straight male gaze, this is how they think the situation went. When in reality, she's probably just like, dude, you're a paying client who comes in all the time. I'm not trying to let this go. <laughs> I'm also just very curious at, they seem to get multiple haircuts. Their hair never changes. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. Um, you were saying, Miriam? Oh, I was just going to say, like, you hit it on on the nose it's totally the male gaze um perspective <clears throat> i okay again i kind of relate to this because oftentimes when you're working with men with men professionally as a woman there's this line that you have to like teeter you know so that they know like hey this is business but i can still be friendly you know <laughs> i like i encounter that a lot because i am in like a client facing position i'm in a sort of like a sales role so i do work with a lot of men Sorry, that sounds like really strange. Yeah, I work with a lot of men, mostly at night. <laughs> with alcohol at bars. You do know that there are, there are other options, TC. You can work with men. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, mess, I'm just messing around. Look I'm just messing with you. <laughs> he came straight to the table. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I even have to work with that um, in my own, like, I've had it happen where clients, you know, male clients, again, let me clarify what I do here. <laughs> I, work, I, I work with, I work in scientific staffing. Oh, okay, um, yeah. So my clients are, you know, they're usually like scientists, they're lab managers, they're, you know, The cast CEOs, of big things. Basically. <laughs> So, yeah, you know what? That's a really good point. Some of them don't get a lot of attention from girls. So, you know, for me, when I, you know, do talk to them and I, I do have to, like, get to know their teams, get to know them, um, get to know what they like. And, you know, they're a candidate who's going to, you know, be a good cultural fit, not only, like, skills-wise. I do actually have to spend a lot of time with them. Um, and we do, like, lunch meetings. So, so there are, you know, things that can be you interpreted. Know, interpreted yeah exactly incorrectly so i do have to kind of so have you ever had to flat out like tell someone like hey this is work stop fucking around yes i believe that a thousand percent yeah i mean um so and what's interesting about that is i or i guess what i'm trying to ask is how would you interpret dominique's relationship in this situation like where where do you think her motivation is 
I mean, I, I, <laughs> I, there's a lot of times that women know, like, yeah. and men, I will not limit it to just, you know, women <laughs> know that, Hey, like, it's not just, you know, I know I have something that like you like, and maybe you're going to come to me more often. You're going to pay more to be, you know, to have your hair done by me. Yeah. Maybe she, she has an element of that, but I don't think she's getting off on Oh, I don't think she's getting off either, but I don't think she's not encouraging this sexual attraction that this kid has for her for the sake of profits. Yeah, but I mean, here's the thing. I think you're not wrong that if I would say that if she was like cutting his hair like after hours or like in this like remote location, it would be even more weird. She's at her job and he's coming (laughs) in. So honestly, like I said, I think it's just like this interpretation and it's, of course, for the TV show, it's great and it's funny to, like, see him, like, try to reject her and her being like, oh, you're making me angry. I'm going to have to, like, really get rough with you. You know what I mean? All this yeah, like, yeah, yeah. really sexual, non-sex scene. But um, I think ultimately – also, what I was going to say is that I remember a very um, – a moment with my brother and I went to, like – Kerr's wing house or something like this and the waitress you know it's just like Hooters where it's like the waitress yeah, is Hooters. supposed to look and dress like this one day and she's being nice to us and flirting with us and me and my brother are like totally buying into it we're like oh she totally likes us she's into us mm-hmm. and we're like trying to impress her and then now that I'm older I was like she was a waitress who just wanted a tip and we were like oh dude she wants it <laughs> 100% what's very interesting is when you look at Eric's kind of motivation throughout the episode compared to Wendy, what a man really, really wants versus Wendy and what a girl supposedly really, really wants. Whereas Eric is like, I want sex so badly that I can't even look in this history book without coming in my pants. (laughs) I'm going to get haircuts multiple times this week for the sensation of sex. Whereas you have Wendy who's just like, Oh, let's like build a life together. I don't know. It's just a very stark contrast, more so than even Sean and Corey when you compare Eric and and Wendy and their motivations for for love slash sex and what's more important for them in their perspective. Yeah, well, I think it's also teaching us like this. I think what you're getting at is like the gender roles that are ascribed to everyone and like what it means to be uh, a young man and it's like don't get me wrong they are right that your hormones are overwhelming and you can barely focus and i do think like in my mind when eric was like i can't think and i can't even focus on history without all this other stuff i was like actually that's kind of like something we should talk about that's like that's something worth looking into the fact that you're so distracted uh by girls you can't focus on history that's actually something that it's worth exploring but since it's oh all teenagers are horny it just gets dismissed and um well and especially not just all teenagers all teenage boys are horny yeah that's common and then the same thing with sean you have sean who comes in and he's like oh you're with a girl for like a whole week dude you gotta move on like that's it's already the episode starts with sean (laughs) telling us that he got his very first direction (laughs) the episode starts with him making out with a girl looking at corey and said remember in health class that section on the movement of blood 
I understand it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Did the kid just say his dick got hard on the ABC TGIF? That's what I think is funny. They're finding very clever ways to talk about sex without actually talking about sex. <laughs> I know that that just I looked up area, but I was just like, yeah, he just said that. <laughs> yeah, he did. I I made note of it too. Um, um, but yeah, what what? So we have Sean, who's trying so hard to get Corey to break up with Wendy. But to your point, Siege, that you made earlier, there's times where Corey seems like he's enjoying elements of the relationship, and then we find out at the end that he actually misses her when she ends up leaving. I I kind of just wanted to talk about this this feeling of feeling like you should break up with someone just because it's high school or you're young or oh you've been together long enough you guys should break up now have either of you ever been with someone an adult or even when you were younger or had a crush or something that um your friends were just like oh you're still doing that i i don't know i guess i just didn't understand this whole perspective sean was coming from of just like break up with her already i no <laughs> No, and here's why. It's because I've never been open about a relationship, like, with anyone, like, until you. Oh, um, <laughs> That's disgusting. Um, <laughs> I'm so sorry, God. Um, yeah, I've always just had, like, these secret, secret relationships. And I get now, like, looking back on, on it, it's, it wasn't just, maybe it wasn't just, like, because I wasn't going to be accepted in my family or in my, like, social social circle that I had a boyfriend but it's also like a protection of sorts like I don't have to answer to anybody about a relationship that could be unhealthy or could be going on too long anyways I'm getting into this a little bit too much but to be honest like it's just it's never happened to me because nobody's ever had an opportunity to comment on my relationship but I do think that that's important because what's interesting here is this like performance of being in a relationship is what it's, it's, it's actually what Corey even wants to partake in. I mean, like, the, the episode starts off because they got invited to... They got invited to a couple's party in high school. And I was like, who is doing this? Who's hosting couple only? Did they ever, did they ever end up going to the party? <laughs> exactly, right? Like, did you... Just, like, <laughs> that was the whole premise of the episode, yet we never see this party or hear about it. Yeah, that's what I thought was funny. But, like, it's so... Corey's like, oh, everyone's paired up. We can't go. And then you look at Sean, and Sean's like, look, I can get anyone to go with me because I just have a relationship every hour um and so Corey wants to participate in the appearance of being in a couple which is why he even starts off dating wendy and then when sean's like hey this is kind of like you're still with that same girl before you know it she'll get invested god forbid um Corey's like yeah but i liked her she cares about me and she does all this other stuff and then after that conversation with sean he starts to look at their relationship different I have to say that I've been on both sides of this. I've been on the side where I've been single and I've been invited to a couple things and it was a little awkward being the third, fifth, ninth wheel, whatever. Like that is sometimes awkward depending on what it actually is, especially if you're around nothing but couples. That's literally my life, but continue. <laughs> I've also been in a group of couples where it's that discussion of just like, oh, we're all going to do this. We should invite so-and-so, right? Well, he doesn't have anyone. I don't want him to feel left out. Like, and that having that conversation, it being a little awkward. So, I, I mean, I've never flat out gone to something that was couples only, but I just, I, I've been on both sides of that conversation. And it isn't easy, I think, for anyone. But I always try to side more on, no, invite them. Like, yeah. Yeah. 
but let's maybe like have them bring a friend, have them bring someone else, or maybe we can invite someone else. I, I don't know. No, but, I think for as as the single friend, I think a the invitation's always welcome. You know, invite me. I can decide whether or not I want to attend. Yeah. And uh, again, make it if it is going to be mostly couples, then make it open for me to bring a guest if I want to. Just say, hey, it's going to be mostly couples. Um, but you're under no pressure to bring anyone. That in itself is fine. Um, it's when you're A, excluded for something, which Corey kind of picked up on, but he also used discrimination. And I was like, it is. But like for the sake of the 90s, I don't want to go there with you, straight white man. <laughs> <laughs> and then also this idea of being inclusive and just not limiting people and their choices or judging people for their, their lifestyles for where they're at. Because I think it's interesting that, again, this starts, he starts to question it, not because he doesn't enjoy the relationship, but because Sean's like, you've been with her too long. And that's when the episode takes a turn with Wendy. It's like, Wendy is seen as doting and, uh, a, like, feminine, as Miriam had brought up earlier. But it's not played as a negative until after Sean brings it up. And then it's like, the showrunner's up her yeah crazy a little bit because i was gonna say it's not just this perception of sean whispering in his ear wendy admittedly says a lot of stuff that to a 12 year old would freak them out like oh, hey we're gonna have called, three kids her point leave me or i leave i'll and, die <laughs> and you know what i have a real problem with that poem yeah, here's one written by wendy jansen it's called leave me and i'll die our love is a flower that blooms in the sun our love runs deeper than deep rivers run. Our love is so strong that it makes me cry. Leave me and I'll die. I will die, die, die. <laughs> yes. We were just talking about like uh, a couple that we knew where like they had broken up and the guy was like, like put like this thing like on social media saying like, oh, he felt like he was having suicidal thoughts or something. Trying not to reach out for help, but specifically trying yeah. to like guilt that other person into being them and like playing that as a card to stay in a relationship. And I think that's so incredibly unhealthy. So while I do think there were aspects of Wendy that were like, maybe she was just trying to emulate this love that she saw throughout her family. There, there are some things like that, that I really like, Leave me or I'll die. Oh, you lied to me once a week and a half ago. We're done forever. There's something going on with this chick. Yeah, but I think, you know, okay, again, and I'm not like defending Wendy as a <laughs> stable person at all. But, you know, as a woman who grew up in a culture where that, you know, was basically and is still kind of expected of me, like I can understand where she's coming from with that poem. You know, like maybe, you know, hey, girls are hormonal too you know when you fall like when you have this crazy crush and I'm sure you guys have like experiences when you have this crazy crush like you do really feel like oh my god like I don't know what this feeling is it's hormones <laughs> yeah yeah like, I don't know what I would do without it you know like I really feel like I'm addicted it's like an addictive feeling having a crush on somebody or even just having this like slot fulfilled that you are supposed to fulfill like so early on yeah. Yeah. I think it's really I think Corey says it best, which is that I'm on an emotional roller coaster with this girl because we definitely have moments of I totally see the logic behind it and I think that her her interest in Corey is what Amy called it originally, a girl playing house and she's just into him and she's behaving how she believes she should behave. But there are moments where it's like um 
leave me and I'll die. Or the fact that like she knows about Eric and Jason. And I was like, this can is I before... wear your wedding dress? Yeah. This is before Facebook. And I was like, girl knows all his history and his class schedule. And Facebook isn't even a thing. So she did some research. <laughs> One quick thing before we move on too far, because we talked about Wendy's poem. Can I bring up Sean's poem? I knew you were going to want to come back to that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jonathan reading Welfare by Sean Hunter. Which, again... What were your thoughts on the Welfare poem? Well, a few things. One, I think it's very interesting that we are talking about... Welfare is always, especially even in the 90s, it's always associated with minorities. So the idea that it's coming from Sean, I actually think is a really interesting choice. And Well, they don't have a minority character. Well, yeah, of course. And the like, here's the thing, they wouldn't do it if it was the minority character, but just the fact that they acknowledge Sean has a very um, direct understanding of welfare, but it's also showing that Sean's family takes advantage of welfare. Okay, the first one up is Sean Hunter. His poem is called Welfare. My Uncle Ralph, he does not care, because twice a month he gets welfare. My Uncle Chuck has nylon hair. He bought the rug with his welfare. Old Corvair, long nose hair, electric chair. It's a very colorful family you got there, Sean. You're having this um, really dual message of, hey, we're being progressive by having this character who's not middle America rich, but at the exact same time, the poor, <laughs> they be taking advantage of welfare. And it's like, I don't, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's hard. All of us are of color, although Miriam's half white. Um, <laughs> there, there is that feeling that on this show, lower class white is the minority. Lower class white is the, no, really. Like, no, I'm Sean, laughing because you're accurate. Sean is so like a stereotype of what they believe lower class white to be. Exactly. And just living in the trailer home, he has mob connections, his family's in and out of jail. They love welfare. It just feels like like a, a Republican ad that I saw on TV or something from the night. Like just this whole like, oh yeah, you know, lower class, they're gonna take advantage of welfare. I, I just didn't really care for it, but I understand why they did. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, again, I like what you're saying, and it's interesting to look at this show because this I do see this show as a liberal show, but it's funny that in the nineties, even a liberal show is making all of this uh, all these assumptions and stereotypes about lower class. And what's even funnier is, like, you're like, they're smart enough to not do it with minorities, but you're still, <laughs> you're still making these terrible assumptions about a different subsect of people or who you consider a, a subsect of, of people. I may know that this is the first time, or at least the first time I remember, we see Sean in his leather jacket. And Ooh, that's a good note. Yeah, it's the first time we see Sean in his leather jacket, and it's like the starting to build of this, again, this stereotype or this direction that they're going to take Sean in. And, you know, again, he's also aggressively uh, macho and the ladies' man, so they're starting to develop Sean's character. But I do think that it goes back to what are they trying to say about where Sean comes from. And it's almost like it's associated with automatically a negative thing, even though at this point in time, as as far as we know, Sean has two loving parents. You know what I mean? It's like, sure. there's nothing wrong with 
his home situation as of right now that the story tells us about, other than the fact that he is working class. And and actually, he just lives in a different area than Corey does because Alan's not exactly Mr. Bankroller. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's what's really interesting, too. And I know you probably haven't watched as much as the show, Miriam, but um, what we saw in the first season, especially more so than this season, is the Matthews struggling financially and being this middle-class family where, you know, Alan has to work a bunch. But then we just see the stark difference between Sean's family and their income versus Corey's. And so that's why we're kind of trying to justify, like, all right, so are the Matthews this working-class, middle-class family? Because they seem to be so far ahead of Sean and his family to the point where Sean thinks of them as rich. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's the thing that we've been trying to figure out. What are the Matthews financially? Like, where are they and how do they fit in? Because apparently Sean was close enough to walk there. So yeah, it's not exactly. You're not exactly – I mean, like, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I get that. I mean – just to be clear, and we don't have to put this in the show, but, like, my mom's family is not rich. Like, um, but I, I grew up with kids like that. Oh, my God, especially in Long Beach. I remember this time that my friend, oh, my God, I can't even remember his name, but we went on a field trip to, like, downtown L.A., um, and he had, like, lost his backpack, and it was, like, the end of the fucking world. Like, he, we were we were, like, probably eight years old and this kid like I've never seen anybody cry so much he was broken like this backpack meant so much to him and he knew like there was no way that he was going to get another backpack and like he was going to get in trouble for it and this was like to him like his most prized possession and I just remember in that moment like as a kid just being like it's like it's a it's a backpack like you can just get another one but to him like you can't yeah like And my family wasn't rich. You know, my family, like, we were, you know, we're middle class or whatever. Um, But I I do remember, like, because I I remember it so vividly. Like, there's a big difference, you know. You can't be going to the same school and and have two totally different lives. You're right. You're right. Yeah, I think that's actually very, very interesting. I'm I'm glad you shared that story because it, it does remind me of, like, there's so many things, especially with our time in high school, that I think about. And, you know, there's there's this time where I was very fortunate to not necessarily be the poorest friend in the group or anything like that. But also, there were times where I was like, I did feel like the other, you know, like the kid from the other side of the tracks. Like, I remember, like, having okay. to take the yeah. bus. Totally. To, Looking to... in at a group of people who seem to have everything. Exactly. And you're right, like being measuring things differently. Like I would be like someone would be like, Oh, let's just do this. And I was like, Well, I can't afford to do that. You know, it's like a um and or like I can afford to do that, but like only under this pretense and like I have to behave this way. So it looks like I'm still you know, like as with everyone else, but like does do other people really know that I'm not or am I pulling this off? You know, there's just a lot that comes with that. Sure. Oh my gosh, yeah. Or if you're, again, this might be like totally off topic, but like my, both of my parents came from like very poor families, like on both sides. So like I said, my mom, yeah, my mom is white, but she came from like, like basically like she was, she was very poor and she got her first job when she was 13. Yeah, well. She worked her whole life and she got married to my dad when she was like just turned 18, like a week afterward. And my dad, same thing. Like he grew up, you know, and he... I struggled with my dad growing up and like 
as I've gotten to know him, like, as an adult and as a person, like, I, I get some, like, sometimes I get it. But, like, he grew up with my, my, like, my grandfather was a truck driver. And my grandmother was, like, a stay-at-home mom because that's the only choice in yeah. that time. But, like, you know, I, I wasn't necessarily a rich kid or I wasn't even close. Like, I was considered, like, a, you know, of lower, you know, socioeconomic status, I guess, when I was growing up. But to my parents, and I remember them trying to, like, tell me, like, you have, like, everything. everything." (laughs) Yeah, I I, I had my parents tell me that, too, when I would, like, complain about, like, they're like, you don't realize how much you do have. Like, you have a TV in your room. Shut up. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's, it's, it's really funny because as you get older, you realize the sacrifices, you know, that your parents make. Like, sometimes it's, like, it's in terms of money. Like, um, someone told me that, once you have a kid, you never have extra money. Like, it's just like, if you have an extra $20, in reality, you owe someone $40. Cause your kid could just come in out of nowhere and be like, hey, I need this. And you're gonna give it to your kid, you know? Yeah. And it's just like, a, and so now you're, you're negative. Um, and so, like, that's like financially. But then I think of like in terms of time. When I like think about my day and what I'm doing to take care of myself, <laughs> like, just to like, just to get, out of the house or, or do things and then i think about people who have kids i'm like no seriously i want to know how do you do this yes <laughs> yeah. i mean like i seriously want to know how you do this because i cannot imagine like where you get the time like where does that time or come the money from or the energy oh, my God. None of it. Yeah. oh yeah god forget energy it. yeah yeah and i was just talking to you about this like this week this last week has been the busiest week i feel like I mean, it can't be, but it felt like the busiest week of my life. And I, I legit told him, I was like, I don't get it. Like, I don't get how my mom <laughs> yeah. worked with kids. Like, well, there are four of us, and she worked my entire life. Like, how? How did you I, do I really that? just, I can't. Yeah. I don't know. I can barely take care of myself. I can't have two kids. I can't have two plants. I can't have two events on the same night without freaking out. It's just like, so. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> you know Something I wanted to ask you guys, because, you know, obviously for me, I was definitely looking at like the girl's perspective, Wendy's perspective and like the women in the episode and focusing a lot on that. But I was going to ask, like, you know, definitely in like the the flash forward when they were two old men and they were yeah, <laughs> hilarious, was, by the way, so they wanted to take the rules. <laughs> iconic. It is. Here's the thing. It's as iconic of a Boy Meets World moment as underpants it's just like, yeah there's just like certain moments with boy meets world where it just lives throughout and this it was li- one it of lives those scenes. so far beyond even this episode i just feel like this is just a really iconic moment and it's one of those moments that in the series finale they flash back to. exactly again yeah. it's just it's one of the most pervasive boy meets world moments but going back to your point yeah go, go ahead, what we're saying oh i was just gonna ask about like the idea of a, a man's success in life right because i think it's pretty clear that you can or at least what i got is like hey a woman's success is if she she snags a man gets her to commit to her for like you know her whole life have kids take care of them know how to cook like that scene where she's making yeah. scalloped potatoes. She's what? 12. <laughs> Amy, these are terrific scalloped potatoes. I just mentioned to Wendy that they were Corey's favorite and she just whipped them up from scratch. Well, maybe I could come over again and show you how to make them. Oh, I'm sure I would like that. Well, I'm sure I'd like that too. In fact, why don't we invite Wendy to move in and we could become one big happy potato-eating family. <laughs> well, I don't just make potatoes, Corey. I can make fun stuff like Belgian waffles. With whipped cream and strawberries? 
I can make whatever you'd like. What? Like yeah. that, you know, like even as, you know, like Roseanne, you've met my sister-in-law. The other night I went over to her house and she had all this Arabic food, which was like, oh my God, I loved it. And I, I was sitting there like, and I told her like, I haven't had a hot meal in like five days. Cause that's <laughs> true. Like during the work week. Oh my God. I'm eating like. Yeah. I believe you. Deli, turkey. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like surviving basically. And I was like, oh, I haven't had like a home cooked meal in a week. And she's like, Miriam, do you want me to teach you how to make this? And I was like, ah, girl, I don't have the time. And she's like, well, but, <laughs> oh, God, this is really personal. But she's like, well, if TC's going to move here, like, don't you want to know how to cook for him? And I was like, um, I'm going to send him. I'm going to say, bitch, you learn how to cook the meal. Like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> no. You I know how to judge. order food? Yeah. <laughs> like, excuse me. Um, okay. Um, but anyway, so the, the idea of success to, to a man, because I think in that scene, you know, Corey saying basically like he was with her for 90 years and almost like like he wasted his life kind of. And like Sean comes out and was like, oh, I've dated a thousand women and it's kind of Pointless. idolized. Yeah. And I do think there's that they come to that moment where Corey's kind of complaining. Well, again, this is the futuristic fantasy. Corey's complaining about like, you know, I've, I've had spent 90 years with this woman who's constantly by my side. But Sean is envious of this, of talking about his failed relationships, even though he goes straight to an adult woman. Which yeah, I, I love, I love, it. I love the bit. Here's the thing. It's yeah, fun. yeah, I love it. They're in the old man makeup, whatever. But to your point, like, you know what's funny is that after that, Sean, uh, Corey's talking with uh, old Wendy, and he's like, you know what? I never take these socks off. Like, we've been together for 90 years. You've given me a fantastic life. Like, he's complaining, but he's also so appreciative of it. And it's such an interesting turn, because to your point, I think that Sean thinks that what Corey has in general is male success. And I think to Corey, what Sean has is male success. And let me explain that. To Sean, Corey has a great family, he has a great home. When eventually him and Topanga get together, they're an ideal romance. It's everything that he feels makes a man successful. Corey sees Sean as this guy who's popular, he's cool, he can get any girl he wants. To him, that's success. And so to answer your question, I think that even amongst men, there are different understandings of what success is. Because I think one man could look at Wendy and be like, oh, I nagged her, I'm successful. Whereas another guy would be like, dude, it's been a week, what are you doing? So I think there's, it kind of, it's both ways. But yeah, I was going to say, no, no, I, I agree with that. How I wanted to answer that question was I feel that even the episode uh, is kind of, it's not saying one way or the other. It's kind of hitting on that in-between stage where, because you're right that they paint Corey as reluctantly in this relationship for 90 years. But he's, at the on the other hand, he's kind of like, but that's what love is. You know, he's like, I guess, he's like, you've shown me all these things and, and I guess that's what love is. So I guess I should be appreciative. And there's that that argument that you have with yourself when you are in I think what it is is like Corey's in a relationship that looks right. Again, it's he's performing all of these things. It looks right from the outside. It even feels good, but something's missing. It's not that he he's not an active person in this relationship. He's passive. And that passiveness is what makes him feel inadequate. And and 
kind of idealizing Sean's whole I've been going through women thing. But at the same time, they do say that Sean ended up kind of lonely and by himself. So that's not the ideal situation either. So there's this tug of war of like, well, do I want to be like successful and never really settle down? Or do I want to settle down, but maybe not be with the person who challenges me? And And I, and I think to your point, what we're supposed to root for as the show is we want Corey to have all the things that Wendy was offering him, but with someone who's his equal match, AKA Topanga. Exactly. Well then, I mean, a you're right. And then B I like that. In the show, when Corey is in the booth in real life with uh, Wendy and they're talking it out and he's just kind of like, again, he's kind of given up in a sense. He's just like, eh, I guess he's like, what's the harm now? I'm in this relationship. I guess I'll just do this until I die. And he tells her, she's like, you know what? This is over. (laughs) You know what's funny? I disagree with that. I think that Corey was actually gotten to a point where he accepted. He was like, you know what? I'm... I am on board with this relationship. And since we're together now, it's not a big deal. Let me tell you how funny it is that it started with this because it's funny to me that it started with that and now I'm actually in this relationship. And to me, I'm I'm going to pursue this. And that's the moment that she pulls the rug from underneath. Well, I think, and I, I like this in, that interpretation because for me, how I saw it was she was like, wait, I don't want to be with someone who had to convince themselves to be with me. You're right that he's like, oh, hey, I kind of lied to get into this, but this is kind of cool. So I'm in it now. And she was just like, wait, what do you mean you're in it now? Uh, I thought we were on the same page from the beginning. And to hear that you uh, had to convince yourself to be in this, that's not good enough for me. And I was really proud of her. But Miriam. Yeah, what were your thoughts about her Yeah, I was just saying, like, what a privilege to be a man. (laughs) (laughs) what is this like there's a girl who's trying to like take care of your whole entire life and oh my god when she was like well well do you like it do you remember her asking like do you like that it it broke my heart i was just like girl get the fuck out of there he doesn't appreciate you but you know i think that that's something again that i personally like personally struggled with you know like i I don't want that kind of life. And I knew like very early on, like I didn't want that kind of life. Cause that's what I see. Like, Oh my God, my aunts in Jordan, you've never seen people work so hard. You know, their husbands like, you know, have jobs or whatever, but Oh my gosh. Like I saw my aunt raise six kids have a hot meal for every single meal, every <sighs> single meal, literally like clean the house top to bottom, scrub the floors every single day like host people, freaking everything, everything. Like this woman is the hardest worker that I've ever seen. And is is she like really appreciated for it? I don't know. You know, I don't know if she, she, you know, gets the credit that she deserves. But nowadays, and I think, you know, it's, it's we're not there yet, but there's another choice, you know? There's another choice that you make for yourself or that I personally had to make for myself. Um, which is, you know, like you don't have to be, you don't have to be somebody's wife. You don't have to take care of somebody like you can make your own life. And if I choose to be in a marriage or choose to be in a family, like it's going to be the dynamic that I want it to be where you are equal and you are, you know, taking care of each other. And so, so you think that Wendy, her journey isn't finished yet. Cause eventually she needs to make that choice for herself. I hope well. so. I yeah. don't know if she's going to make it cause she's living in a, in a house of people who are showing her that success is is what she's trying to to strive for. But I mean, I 
I hope that Wendy changes. <laughs> I hope she sees And well, we I never think... see her again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that it's interesting because in my mind, even going off of what you're saying, I don't think there's anything wrong with being the housewife no. and the mother and the person that Wendy wants to be if she's doing it on her terms. And that's what I liked about this is that Wendy was like, or even you brought it up. It's like, I'm going to be in the relationship that I feel appreciates me for what I bring to it. So for her, that was enough. The fact that Corey didn't automatically get it, even though I I agree that that's a little bit of an extreme. She was like, you know what? That's not what I want. That's it, It's going to probably eventually turn into um, resentment. You know, it's like she doesn't she doesn't have the words for it. She's like, no, but eventually you'll resent what I'm doing for you. And I'm doing it out of love. So if that's the case. No, I don't want I don't want any part of this. And that's kind of what I do like about this story. But I feel that that's my interpretation, not necessarily what the writers wanted the story to be. You know what I mean? Totally. Totally. Um, we are getting a little pressed for time, so I want to move on a little bit, if possible. There's a few things I want to bring up. One of them is in the future. When the future flash forward scene, Corey turned into an old Jewish man. Yes, no? <laughs> yes, yes, he did, and I love it. So again, there's this. We have to talk about the scene a little bit. We hit on. Yeah. It. Not only is it like comedically fun, uh, and it gives us the roles line, but also. I was like, where did Ben Savage get this interpretation? Because it's, first of all, it's so accurate. And then you have him just like slowly stealing the little packets and everything about it. and low, rolls, everything. Tabasco, anything that's on the table, he's casually putting into his jacket while talking. How long you been married? Who? (laughs) They want you to take the rolls! It's so dead on. Even when he comes, like, when Sean comes in, he's like, Corey, is that you? He's like, Sean, I've come to this table every day. (laughs) Every day you ask me. 4.30 early bird special. (laughs) Every day you ask me, and every day I say the same thing. And it's just like, I love this character. I honestly want a spinoff show of just (laughs) just them being old men. Yeah, Just Ben Savage being that character. Because it's so fun. Um, and then, of course, like he's really Jewish, I believe, right? Ben Savage. I don't, I don't know, cause you huh. know what's funny? There's multiple times where I think like Ben Savage might be Jewish based on this show, but I've never once thought that of Fred Savage. So that's why I'm just very curious. Give me I'm one second. Me. I'm looking this up because I definitely want to make sure before I just. Yeah, they're Jewish. Okay, all right. So I would. So, yeah, no, no. So here, again, and the reason why I say that is, if they're Jewish, then this is a fun interpret you know telling of their story and yeah uh, a, a little bit of it's not true to the character of Corey, but it's definitely true to ben savage the ben. actor and they gave him this little bit and it's it's perfect i love that that truth in who he is as a person however uh if they weren't jewish i was like i can't <laughs> play fully anti-semitic otherwise yeah exactly i can't endorse that <laughs> hey siege i have a question for you regarding mr turner because there was one moment in particular in the show although him and feeney had a pretty shitty b storyline there was one moment where Miriam was very distracted by mr turner who and wasn't i'm trying to figure out what's your turned on by turner moment of this episode okay so glad that you asked when <laughs> turned for- on by turner Ooh, exactly so 
Uh, I'm glad that you asked. I specifically looked at it. There are... I would say that this episode, first of all, kind of threw me off because the wardrobe seemed off. I was like, has it been several days? Is it one day? Because Mr. Turner, we see him in the same outfit for like two to three different scenes at first. And I was like, wait, is this? Like, when is... How long has this been happening? At one point, Miriam pointed out that she was like, hey, do you notice that all the boys on the show are wearing the same outfit? Yes! They're wearing baggy jeans, a flannel shirt, and a vest. Every single one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then then what is supposed to be after the game, he's in a new outfit, and I was like, okay. But you know what it is? Ultimately, no matter what, those goddamn booty cup and jeans. Those black jeans. (laughs) There is one part where I guess Feeney just like... I don't know, won this racquetball game, whatever, who cares? Turner, for no reason, puts a leg up on the bench. And Miriam, the entire time, is like, are we supposed to focus on anything other than his dick? Because I can't. (laughs) No, honestly, like, first of all, I just want to, like, point out, I do like the second outfit better. The the post-racquetball game outfit is way better. I mean, it is ace. And, uh, yeah, that was, like, I will say that the hair is starting to bother me. Like, I don't know. Like, now it's just like... It's uh, comical. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. What did you think of his hair? What did you think of Turner? Because this is your first time seeing Mr. Turner as an adult. What did you think of him? Uh, I mean, it's not my first time. Oh, (laughs) excuse you. Maybe that's one of my porn channels. In my dreams last night. Well, I said um, he's like every 90s girl's fantasy. (laughs) But no, the hair. The hair... The hair is disappointing now. But, you know, it worked for him with that outfit and that, baby, don't look at me, and that (laughs) body. (laughs) Yeah. No, here's the thing. I've been told TC has promised me uh, wife beater wearing (laughs) Mr. Turner. Oh, there is a a Turner in the wife beater scene. Actually, I think it's this season. Th- all right. So well, all I'm saying is, their apartment, right? when, for the pop quiz, <laughs> yeah, and they see the yeah, and he's in the tank top. You remember this? Wow, wow. <laughs> all I know is I was promised it. <laughs> so I'm looking, but yeah, like, we get all dressed up for <laughs> gonna see Mr. Turner. You remember that moment very well. Wow. <laughs> you were like, oh, you mean season two, episode nineteen, right? <laughs> It's wow, amazing. Right. So, I love it. More turned on by Turner. Got it. Yes, love it. I mean, and I did. I wanted to acknowledge the um, Mr. Turner and Mr. Feeney storyline, mostly because it's not great, but it does it does use the characters in a believable way. Um, you have Mr. Feeney kind of like usually he's always ragging on Mr. Turner or like telling him that he has a lot to learn or anything like this uh which this one did as well but it definitely uh Mr. Turner made assumptions about Mr. Feeney and he was like all right you know what I'm gonna play into this and it was a fun little thing between the two of them and I also saw it as like George reaching out for some kind of like adult relationship which I think is really cool a hundred percent um I will say that we definitely see more of this dynamic of Feeney trying to show Turner that he's not this old curmudgeon guy. He's he's young and he has energy. Apparently, he's slamming puss left and right. We're constantly <laughs> hearing about Feeney being vigorous and all this other stuff. But one of the things I did want to say that was kind of funny, why does Jonathan have all of his racquetball equipment in his school? He is neither playing racquetball or at school. <laughs> he has no reason to bring it in. He rides a motorcycle, so where is he keeping this while he's riding? 
It's a huge-ass bag full of racquetball equipment for no reason. Why? Well, A, he does mention that he's about to go play a friend. So, like, that's kind of, like, the purpose of it. But I, I, will, I will agree with you that I also see it as, if we're talking in real life, I think Mr. Turner's just always trying to advertise that uh, he's single and he fucks. And the reason why I'm saying that is he brings that helmet around everywhere. I know people who have a motorcycle. You don't need in the hallways in the middle of the day. You don't need to bring that helmet around. And he's, then he has this racket, swinging dick, bro. Yeah, exactly. He he's has just swinging dick. Racquetball uh, bag again for no reason. I think it's uh, no other reason than to let a uh, female staff be like, "Oh, yeah, that's right. He's active." He's like, "Yeah, you're picturing me in like uh, workout gear, aren't you?" I think that's his whole. <laughs> don't shame her uh, uh, apparently I the answer is yes <laughs> um did you have any other thoughts on the episode Siege? anything we didn't um, bring up the only thing i wanted to say is that i think overall the the messaging of this is kind of weird and i'm not really sure what we're supposed to get out of it uh, at the end when she breaks up with Corey. Corey's like, I miss Wendy. And I think it's, I I think what's interesting about that is it's kind of the writer's way of saying like, hey, there are going to be times where you feel that this is too much or someone's coming on too strong, but you may actually not be appreciating this person for for what they were bringing to you. You know, I don't know. It's a very convoluted message, but I feel like there was something to be said about Corey being like, oh, hey, I kind of thought I was above this, but in reality, I miss yeah. her. So, Do you have anything we didn't discuss? No, I actually was going to bring up the same thing as, you know, when they actually got Corey's disappointed. It's like, hey. You know what I noticed in that? He's disappointed. He does not fight for her. He does not say, I don't want this. He doesn't want to say, like, I want to be with you. He lets it happen, but then he's like, oh, no, I want her around. But it's so typical. Honestly, like, it's so typical of my relationships and my friends' relationships is that, uh, you know, people tend to, and you probably can relate to this, too. Not, it's not just a woman thing but or a female thing, um, but just being taken for granted in a relationship. Sure. A lot. Because, again, there's really high expectations of what a woman is supposed to bring and not necessarily the same of a man. So, um, bra right. moment. Bra moment. Okay, so my the bra moment is the moment that we see in the show that for whatever reason, it's like, whoa, this doesn't align with 2018. Like, how far we've come in this since the show originally aired. And I think is this idea of a woman having to do all of these things in order to win over a guy. She felt like she had to memorize his schedule, be there all the time, make him his favorite food. Like she's, she's doing all of this when she really doesn't have to. And so I think for me, and it seems like for Miriam as well, and I don't want to speak for you, but it, it, that's something that I was like, bruh, why are you doing that? So, yeah. no. uh, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Do I have a bro moment <laughs> yeah, yeah, too? Yeah. <laughs> same, <laughs> same. And then I also noticed, uh, maybe with the exception of the girl who asked Corey to help her with English, but still, um, every woman in this episode was like doting or like in service of a guy. And that's what I was like. Nobody in there is like really doing their own thing. It's all surrounding like either the family unit or like a significant other. Yeah. But that's really, Oh, sorry. I was going to say, cause CJ, like you said something really important and I, it's not that I don't like, if you, you know, want to be a mom and like, be a, like, I don't look down on that at all. I'm talking about like, 
the choices that you have and like going for, you know, the life that you want and having the, the choice to do that. That's. We don't have a lot of time to get into this. And I do want you brought up the girl that hits on Corey. And this, this is something I wanted to talk of, about. Oh, I know we don't have time. But that was a, yeah. hey, they want yeah. you because you're in a relationship. That was like a, whoa. We'll, we'll, we'll play the clip. But like, there's this point where Corey um, is just like standing by himself. And some girl's like, hey, Corey, can we like study sometime? Yeah. And Sean, like, don't get me wrong. He's not wrong. But Sean says like this little note of wisdom where he's like, oh. Corey, are you that clueless? Clueless? Obviously, I'm the one who knows what the homework is. <laughs> they don't want the homework. They want you. Why? Because you're a couple. You're off the market. They can't have you. They want you more. What sense does that make? You're hot. Use it. Go for it. You know, it's because you're in a relationship. Girls want what they can't have. And you're like, okay. <laughs> like, we should really talk about this message some more. But I will say, though, it's not entirely inaccurate. Again, it's not that it's not inaccurate because I agree. It's like I agree that people want what they want, they can't have, and there is science to back that up. At the exact same time, to say it in this way, it's very judgmental of the women. Generalized, you know, yeah. As it's all women to, want what they can't have. That's yeah. Oh my god, we talk <laughs> like about men that have a lot. always. But also, it's really funny because if we if we go back to this. They make fun of women very often with this show. They'll make fun of women for doing something that later Corey does immediately. And there's like, it's sympathy. And what I'm saying is like, girls want what they can't have. Corey gets broken up with. I miss Wendy. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, and you almost wonder like, was that intentional for them to kind of paint women as this only to have Corey? No, it's not intentional. You're shaking your head. No. <laughs> it wasn't. Here's the thing. I think, I think it's what we talked about where it's like when you look at it again, you see these mirrors. But it's more hypocritical than it is um, trying to like purposely show the common ways that people want what they yeah. can't have. Yeah. Um, do you have a grade for this episode? We typically grade our episodes between A through F, depending on how much we enjoyed it, how well it was written, how well it ages. Yeah, I, I would give this one like a, an, a B plus. Yeah? Yeah, I thought it, because I thought it was actually really funny, really entertaining. Um, if you can talk about it and think about it the way we have, and it's, uh, I think, um, it does have like kind of a lesson or, um, a good meaning. But again, you know, for me, just seeing that made me really uncomfortable because it was kind of like looking at my own 13-year-old self. Wow, yeah. I, I yeah. agree. I give it a B plus simply for they want us to take the roles. It's a decent enough episode, <laughs> but that there's an iconic moment that I have to take into consideration. And because of that, it gets the B plus for me. You know, you guys really convinced me because I was I was on a B. This is going to get a B. But when I think about the iconic, they want you to take the road. Almost borderline to where, like, if you were to shout that at a public place, <laughs> there's a chance that someone would know what the hell you were talking about. I absolutely agree because I saw, like, I forgot what it was, but something happened where a reference to they want you to take the roles was said in a, in an unlikely space. And I was like... Point me to a yes! <laughs> so B plus. Like okay. That. So how about homework? Do you have any homework? 
Um, yeah, I have homework. Um, I guess two two quick homeworks. One is um, the movie Casper, simply because the girl who plays Wendy in Boy Meets World also plays a role in the movie Casper. She is the mean girl in Casper. But since it's Halloween and I'm trying to watch a bunch of Halloweeny movies, I'm going to recommend the 1990 classic. Christina Ricci had a huge crush on her. Mm-hmm. Although the movie is extremely problematic. I We can discuss it later, but... We're essentially rooting for this girl to be in a love relationship with a dead kid. I don't, I don't want to get into it too much, but it's there's, there's problems. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna look. Actually, let me watch it and then get okay. back to you. I really like um, it. And what was oh, my other, other one? one is just a podcast called Today Explained. Um, if you've watched Explained, the Netflix show by Vox, they also have a, a, a YouTube series. Um, but basically, it's just going through the the news of the day. And what I really like about it is they're not really taking a position either way. They're simply just explaining to you what's going on. So for example, I just heard an episode about the election that's happening in Brazil and it didn't take a position either way. It just kind of gave you the facts so that when you're watching the news, you can understand it. Watching the news and you're like, I don't really, I'm not really sure what's happening here. Today explains a great way to um, just kind of get really just plain, no-nonsense explanations. So that would be my recommendation. Marion, do you have anything, any movies you've seen, any books you've read, anything that you would like to recommend to anyone? Um, I just started reading a book called Power, which it kind of hits on, like, feminism and women's... It, it, I can't really get into it, but maybe I'll just put that out as homework. Disclaimer, I have not yet finished it, though. Who's the author, Dina? No, I don't. No, we don't. We don't. I'll look it up while you guys. (laughs) Uh, See, do you have any while she's looking it up? Yeah, actually, I do. So it's so funny because I I was watching it earlier today, and it's so relevant to this series, which uh, it's the show on Netflix called Big Mouth. Yes, I love Big Mouth. Yeah, yeah. It is. Here's the thing: the second season just came out. It is an interesting approach to sometimes i feel like they're like it's not my sense of humor but sometimes it's just so well written and so accurate to what it's like to be a teenager yeah. uh at that time and they introduced this new character called the shame wizard this season and again it's just perfectly done because the shame wizard like approaches each and every child differently and he has a different thing that he says but they also kind of explain the relevance of the character um and like why shame is kind of important in our uh, in a society so it's it's just a really good show that also explores puberty and growing up and making these difficult relationship decisions and uh i just think it's worth worth the look. awesome awesome yeah all right, right. so that is- oh wait 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 Who's Go ahead. sorry i was gonna say so the the book the power is by naomi alderman and it's described as our generation's The Handmaid's Tale. Um, And the premise is like, what would happen if women suddenly possessed a fierce new power? But the way that I'm reading it is like when you actually discover the inherent power that you have as a woman. So it's actually pretty interesting. I'm actually really excited to read that. That sounds really good. I'll add it to my list. All right. So thank you for listening to Brown Meets World. Remember, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, all the places. Make sure you leave us a rating. We love ratings. And uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Brown Meets World or email us at brownmeetsworld at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at Extra Siege. That's X-T-R-A-C-E-E-J. 
Tonothy. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at me. You can also follow me on Twitter for Anna Kendrick RT, Anna Kendrick Retweets, where <laughs> I retweet everything that Anna Kendrick tweets. Uh, Mary, do you have anything? I don't want to be found. All right, there you go. <laughs> Leave her alone. Okay. <laughs> so I, we really appreciate you guys so much. Uh, remember to dream, try, and do dream, good. Dream, try, and do good, guys. I like it. Later, Later, bro. Later, bros. <laughs>